Well, today we're concluding our semester-long chapel series called House of Prayer. And you may remember that the idea behind the design of the series was to do a study on what we find out about a prayer in the Bible. Not exactly that, but to take a look at the prayers in the Bible and see what we can learn about prayer. And so that's what we did. So from the very beginning uh, of the semester, we've looked at prayers that have been prayed in the Bible. We looked at the prayers of Jesus, actually a couple of them. The prayer that he gave to his disciples when he was asked, Lord, teach us to pray. The prayer he prayed in the garden when he was about to be arrested. And then the prayer he prayed for those who would follow his teaching and his way. We've looked at prayers of people in the Bible who found themselves in a variety of circumstances and some of them quite serious. We've encountered the prayers of people who are experiencing life running into the enemies of God, or at least into the enemies of God's people. And they, there were prayers from people who were imploring God to give them the longings of their heart, and other prayers from people who knew that they had sinned and they were asking God for forgiveness. And we have seen prayers for people, prayers for those who are part of the faith community, and prayers for herself. So, obviously, a wide variety of kinds of prayers in the Bible, and at the very least, it should point us in the direction that perhaps we should practice a deeper, richer prayer life by modeling, modeling our prayers after the kinds of prayers that we see in Scripture. Okay, we're going to come to the end of talking about the prayers of the Bible, and we're going to look at two prayers today. One is called the Magnificat, and that's the first one we're going to look at. The next one is we're going to look at a benediction. Now, sometimes in the gathered worship service, this is the prayer you're waiting for, right? It's the benediction. So this is the prayer that when we come together to worship God, it's the last prayer, and it concludes the worship service. And at the end of chapel today, I'm going to say a benediction. And I'm going to tell you now so that you're ready for it when it happens. Um, now, let me tell you that the benediction, that kind of prayer, is not a command. It's not a Christianized, hey, see you later kind of thing. It's not even a wishing you all the best as you leave type of expression. A benediction is a prayer of intercession. It's a prayer asking God that he would be faithful to his people, to the promises that he's made to his people. And so as the gathered community leaves the time of worship, we go our separate ways, not to go away by ourselves in our own strength, in our own ingenuity, thrown back into situations and circumstances that maybe we've had a short reprise from as we've gathered together. No, it's not that kind of situation at all. As we go, we go as God's people. We may physically leave, but we go with the God who never leaves or forsakes his people. We depart knowing that the work of God continues in his people, and we have assurance that God knows us, knows our circumstances, and goes with us. And we go with those who also love and follow God. So I am a big proponent. At the end of a service, somebody please send me out. Don't dismiss me. Send me. 
I'm thinking and leaving, and I don't want to be alone. I might be going into less than desirable circumstances, but I want to know that God's work will continue to be in my life, and I want to go out knowing that I don't go alone, that I walk with the family of God. So let me give you a couple examples of benedictions. Um, the first one is from Numbers chapter 6. This is Aaron's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And then this one from Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then 1 Thessalonians. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is a way to leave a corporate service. But, wait, it's, we're not there yet. Can't end chapel too soon. So, wouldn't you like to receive a prayer like that at the end of the service? So we're going to end the service today with a benediction. So, back to Mary's Magnificat. So in this journey, the house of prayer reminds us, teaches us, encourages us, prods us, challenges us that our relationship with God is one of at least conversation. And in the prayer we look at today, it's one of praise, adoration, expression of uh, hope in the God who said, I will be your God, you will be my people. And if you study church history, a few things become obvious. Uh, depending, of course, on the section of church history that you're looking at. But at one point in church history, the Bible was written in Latin, and so that's all they had. Another thing that happened in, in the church service is that it was sung. And I don't mean that there was an extended time of singing at some point in the service, but that instead of a spoken service, many parts of the service were sung. And one type of song that was sung is called a canticle. Now, a canticle is a song written when using a biblical text as the source of its lyrics. And so there's a couple examples that we have uh, within the story around the life of Jesus Christ's birth that are these canticles. And so one of them is a thanksgiving said by Zechariah at the birth of his son, John the Baptist, Another one is based on Simeon's word of praise and seeing the promised Savior, and of course, Mary's word. And so here we have the one that is said by Zechariah. It's known as, and the titles of these songs is the first word in the song. So how clever is that? Benedictus is this. Because the first line of the song is Benedictus Dominus Deus Israel. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. And then in the one by Simeon, Demidus, Demidus, in Luke 29, says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for, uh, for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And so... This canticle is known as Now You Dismiss, recounting the words of Simeon. Now we come to the Magnificat. And so the Magnificat, or Mary's Magnificat, its title just comes after the first word of the song, which is 
magnified. And it is Mary's response to the events that she has experienced in recent days. And so to bring us up to the point where Mary expresses these words, let's take a look at the story so far. And taking it from the Gospel of Luke, his accounting of the events begins with telling us the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of their son, John, who we know as John the Baptist. And if you recall the story, Zechariah is in the temple and the angel Gabriel comes to him and says that Zechariah's prayers have been answered, that your wife will be with child. And Zechariah says, well, how can this be? I'm old. My wife is old. Gabriel's response is one that he says that I stand in the presence of God and I've come to tell you this good news. And since Zechariah didn't believe, he would be silent until the birth of the baby. He'd be mute. I find it interesting, and this is a bit of an aside, that Zechariah has been praying for a baby. An angel shows up and says, your prayer has been answered. And the first thing he does is, how can this be? This is impossible. How about, hey, great, thanks. I'm glad about that. Don't know. Anyway, okay. Luke tells us that Elizabeth uh, hides herself for five months. And in the sixth month, Gabriel goes to Mary. And he tells Mary that she's going to have a child. Mary's found favor with God. She questions how it's going to happen since she's betrothed but not yet married. And this is the answer that is given to her. The angel answered her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month when... Uh, with her, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So, and then we go on in the story, and we see the account that Mary gets up, and she goes to see Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in the womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So Elizabeth is at the very least at the beginning of her third trimester of pregnancy. And then and Mary comes to see her. And the next thing that Luke states are the words of Mary, the Magnificat. So, in keeping with the idea of a canticle, and that some things in the service are just sung, our scripture reading today, the words of the Magnificat will be sung. greatness of the Lord, and my spirit exalts in 
his name be forever exalted for the mighty God has done great things for me and his mercy will reach from age to age and holy 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 is his name his mercy in every generation he has revealed his power and his glory he has cast down the mighty in their arrogance and his He has come to help his servant Israel, and he remembers his promise to our fathers, and Mary's words are songs of praise to God. We may not consider it a prayer, maybe in some strict definition of the term, but I'd like to say that when we give gratitude for who God is, for what he's done, how he's looked upon in favor on us, for what he has promised to accomplish and what he will still do, we are voicing a prayer of praise and and gratitude to God. Last year in a class, we were talking about prayer, and a student commented that he thought when we prayed out loud and when we, be, when we begin by thanking God for a bunch of things, we're simply using it as a time where we're just kind of vamping a little bit, thinking about what we wanted to ask God for. So we're going to thank him for some stuff first while we think of the things that we want to ask for. So the thank you was kind of a time filler, in his opinion, until it was time for the prayer to really... Uh, think of what they wanted to ask for. First, I thought he had a point, um, but then as I considered it, I think he's wrong. That's okay. It's okay to be wrong. 
Um, he, he might be right if that's what we're doing, and we're saying thanks until we can think of the stuff that we want to pray for, but I believe if this is the mode of our praying, then we're praying the wrong way. It is always appropriate to give thanks to God and to recognize him for who he is and what he has done. And over and over in Scripture, we are given instruction and encouragement uh, to give thanks to God. So look at all these. These are just a few from the Old Testament. Were these ones that maybe Mary thought about as she knew that the posture that she would have would be the one of giving thanks to God? People have also uh, noted the similarities between Mary's song of praise and the prayer of Hannah in 1 Samuel. It was just over two months ago that Rita Penner uh, came and spoke to us about Hannah's prayer. And you recall that Hannah was praying for a child. And if God would give her a child, then she would give the child back to God. And that child was Samuel, one of the great prophets uh, in the Old Testament. And so we're going to see that when Mary speaks about God, she's thanking God, and she's thanking God for what he has done for her. She recounts that God is her Savior. Her expression of praise is for how God has, what God has done. done. And some people in Mary, divide Mary's words into two sections. The first section is where she speaks personally about herself, and the second section is where she speaks about the great things God has done. So not only is Mary's song a lot like Hannah's song, but also a lot of scriptural allusions, and you can study that on your own if you're interested. But if you want to know who God is, you need to take a look at what God has done. And sometimes in our lives, we live in trying circumstances. Difficult events, things we wish would not have happened, have happened to us, and we ask, where is God? And we ask God to move. Or we ask God to remove, do something or take something away. And it's during those times we need to ask God to remind us of the things he has done in our lives. So sometimes I think the attitude that students have, particularly this point in the semester, is not the same attitude they had in the summer. I'm guessing that some of you, at least, were pleased, excited, that you got accepted to come to Prairie College. And maybe today that sense of pleasure is not as evident. <laughs> so, what has changed? God is still the same God. The God you felt was bringing you here is the same God that's keeping you here. You know, I'm a forgetful person. I forget sometimes what God has done in my life. And I look to my circumstances as an indication of who God is. And I forget what God has already done. And the danger, if I forget what God has done, then I begin to forget who God is. Now, I don't mean that I forget that God exists. I mean that I look at my circumstances and characterize God by what is going on in my life. Mary's acknowledgement her, of her humble place before God is a reminder for us, again, to gain a perspective that the very God of heaven is aware of us. If we wonder what God is up to in our lives, if we are questioning what God is doing, we need to place our hope in the one who notices us. He is not looking the other way. He is looking over us. 
Two years ago, at about this time, I was in the hospital. Uh, I had almost died. A bunch of things were going on in my body, and I was in intensive care unit. And one of my more lucid moments, I was speaking to my wife, Jen, and two things I recall saying. One was, if we've placed ourselves in God's hands, then we've placed ourselves in God's hands. Simply because things were really going sideways for us didn't mean that now's the time to go looking somewhere else for, for support. Who are we going to put our trust in? If we said we put our trust in God, then we trust God, no matter what his hand delivers our way. The other thing that I thought of, and uh, it's, a, it's a line from a very old song, but it has a scriptural idea. He watching over Israel doesn't slumber or sleep. So God is aware. When I was in ICU, you know in ICU, they never turn out the lights. There wasn't a clock. I, had, I was in there for days, and I had no idea what day it was. I didn't even know what time of day it was. So that's very disconcerting. But thinking about that the God who never slumbers or sleeps, who is aware of me, remembered that he was looking over me. Mary's song of praise is a song of praise. Um, but not because of personal circumstances. It's a song of praise because of the character of God. And it's, I think it's significant that as we conclude our series on prayer, we think about the God to whom we pray. The reality of the different kinds of prayer we've looked at and the variety of circumstances in which people pray to God is rooted in the person that we pray to. Who is this God who we pray to? What is, who is he like? What is he like? And so we see in Mary's uh, voice of praise an exchange, the actions that God does center around an exchange. Something is brought down, another thing is brought up. There's an exchange between the high and the humble. There is an exchange, a switching of places between those who have a social pedigree and those who are at the bottom of the social heap. There's a switch between the rich and the poor. There is a change coming in the social structure. Three words that come to us from Mary's song of praise that tell us who God is, is strength, holy, and mercy. God is the one who is mighty. He scatters the proud. He brings down the mighty from their thrones. He exalts those who are low. He fills the hungry and helps the nation of Israel. Only a God who has strength is able to accomplish these things. Is the God you worship Strong, let me go back, Oop, sorry. Is the God that you are worship, is he strong? Is there anything too great for him? When you look at this past week, well, actually, don't look past this week, go through this week. <laughs> but when you look past this week and you think of going home, where do you need to see God's strength at work? What are you praying for? Who are you praying for? Are you praising God for his strength? God's name is holy. And by this we mean not his name but his character. God himself is holy. And I don't know what comes to you when you think of God's uh, holiness. Are you thinking pure? Are you thinking set apart? Are you thinking consecrated? 
Some of you have studied the attributes of God, and so you've looked at God's holiness, and you realize that God's holiness is something that we rely on because he gives and shares his holiness with us. Be holy, for I am holy, God says. God does not favor the exalted people on the earth. God's holiness means he exalts the holy and does what is right. And then there's his mercy. Now, here's something we've already probably all have had experience in, praying for mercy. In the history of the church, the mercy of God is something that has been prayed for again and again. Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy. God's mercy is new every morning. Maybe you've been in a place where you think that God's patience must be running out for you. And I once asked a pastor, if I come to God, how will I know if he's going to receive me in his mercy or he's going to receive me in his judgment? How will I know? His response to me, which I think are wise words, he says, when we come to God, he will always receive us in his mercy. Coming to God means coming with humility. Mary's song ends with a recounting of what God began with Abraham. You remember Genesis 12 when God called Abraham. He says, I will be your God, you will be my people. And the work of God in Mary's life is the continuation of God's faithfulness to his people. The love of God expressed in the covenant with Israel. It's been called steadfast love. It's been called loyal love. It's been called covenant love. And we can refer to it as God's faithful love to us. So the work of God in his strength, in his holiness, in his mercy is always done in the context of God's faithfulness. So this is the God who looked at Mary, gave her the task of, phys of physically bearing the Son of God, and she said yes. It's interesting, in her prayer of praise to God, she doesn't even mention this baby part of the event. She speaks of how God sees her, loves her, blesses her. She recounts the character of God and celebrates his activity in the world which fulfills the promises that he has made that God will do these things. This is the song of Mary. Your song? What song are you singing? What lyrics are part of your song to God? Do you have the words of the world ringing in your ears and jumping off the end of your tongue? Are you giving praise to the way the world is going? Or are you finding a deep joy and celebration in God's notice of you? And even though circumstances are not easy, the God who is strong, holy, and merciful will accomplish what he says he will do because he is a faithful God. So, maybe between the time you leave campus and come back next semester, maybe you can write your own Magnificat. Your own song of praise that begins, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. There's your first two lines. Sing a song of praise to God. I'm going to invite you to stand. The team's going to come back, and we are going to sing a song of praise to God. Don't go anywhere. A benediction is forthcoming.
unspeakable joy, joy, unspeakable benediction today is taking is taken from 2 Corinthians 13:13 13, 13. May the grace of Christ which daily renews us may the love of God which enables us to love all and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit which unites us in one body make us eager to obey the will of God until we meet again through Jesus Christ our Lord amen